1: To season six of Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for Geek Culture and the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today is my tried and true CB crew, Matthew Aguilar, Janelle Wheeler, and Connor Casey are back again. And today, guys, we we are gonna live up to our name because we got a thick show full of geeky goodness and we are going to be going all over the place today we got movies we got tv we got big gaming impressions we've got to talk about the world of wrestling because holy god how can we not right now and we've gotten a bunch of bonus content we got to make sure you guys are aware of so a few shopkeeping notes right up at the top this week alone We have put out on Monday our reactions to, or was it Tuesday? Can't even remember anymore. Our reactions to the Supergirl casting news, the news that Millie Alcock of House of the Dragon will be Supergirl. We did a whole bonus episode talking about that and what it means for the DCU. So be sure to check that out. We also did the poll list where Matthew Aguilar pulls the biggest comics of the week and we go. In. And this week, me, Matt, and Janelle all got to connect and get into some comics, and that was a great time. Make sure to check that out. This week, we finished out Riptide Radio. Liam Crowley is now the Percy Jackson guy, and that after show was great. So be sure to, if you are just now getting into Percy Jackson, you also subscribe to our Percy Jackson after show, Riptide Radio. And, guys, we have a new segment for all our longtime fans who have been waiting. We have Quick Save, our gaming focus segment which we have put out its first episode yesterday, where we talked all about the PlayStation 2024 State of Play event, plus our gaming experts, Logan Moore and Kate Onder, gave you guys their in-depth first impressions of Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, and it's as divisive as you may have heard. So you don't (laughs) want to miss that because... That segment is crazy, and these guys were like, well, we're just getting into it. And then they just went off and cooked for like a whole 20 minutes on Kill the Justice League. So don't miss that. And if you want to find out all this great content, be sure to subscribe to Comic Book Nation on your favorite podcast platforms. And go subscribe to our YouTube page where we have everything I just mentioned. Plus, we sent Matt out into the streets he was for the streets like a future meme and out there at, at a WWE Royal Rumble and got all kinds of great interviews with some of the biggest stars in wrestling, which is now also up on our Comic Book Nation page, plus all the crazy other stuff that Matt does when he's out in the streets or just throwing up Law & Order trailers. So be sure to subscribe to the CBN YouTube.
2: They all rule!
1: Right, yeah, like, as you can tell, like I keep saying and keep making the joke, we're becoming an actual nation, but as you can say from our programming reminders – We got a lot going on, so let's get back to my tried and true most fun thing, which is hanging out with you guys on Fridays on the live show where we just kind of do everything. Up first, we got to talk about the new movie out in theaters this week, which is Matthew Vaughn's Argyle. Um, I know I got out to see this at a screening. I didn't know if anybody else got out to see it. It's been a very busy week. Uh, I know, I think it would be only Connor. Connor, did you get out to see this?
3: No, not this one.
1: I know, okay, so um it's a hard one to talk about argyle so we'll keep it brief because it's just coming out and this whole movie is built on the secrecy of don't tell the secret which is kind of not the best aspect of the movie uh if you know anything about matthew vaughn films you know that he loves to do these kind of pastiches of different styles and genres You know, you watch X-Men First Class, and then we just veer all of a sudden into a horror movie where Beast is transforming himself into a monster in first-person perspective. Then we get these other disco kind of funny scenes, then action scenes. So Vaughn likes to kind of put together a lot of different flavors into movies. If you've seen Kick-Ass, Kingsman, X-Men First Class, none of this is surprising news, right? So Argyle is very much in that vein, and I think I tweeted out, it's the weirdest mix of flavors and styles yet. It's everything you expect from a Matthew Vaughn spy action film at this point after all these Kingsman movies we've sat through. Plus there's this other kind of lighthearted romantic comedy on top of it with Bryce Dallas Howard and Sam Rockwell. And there's the actual kind of quote unquote mystery of who is Argyle, who is Ellie Conway and what is this whole world really about um there are some moments in this that are just i mean for me it just gets so weird it's vaughn it's the most vaughn vaughn thing ever and it goes so far over the top you'll probably be sure you've seen in trailers there's a scene with color smoke and dance routines and you know in the midst of crazy violence and stuff like that so it is a weird mix and it's a great but if you can just accept that this is an unserious this is vaughn just being unserious it's not like dramatically heavy like kingsman or any of his other films it's just a very unserious film there are parts of it that look so uneven and budgeted and stuff like that but that i feel like that's always vaughn too because if you look at first class of that flying scene with banshee is terrible right like it looks bad but um there's some great performances and, and some fun and there's a fun ensemble in this there's Bryce Dallas Howard, there's Sam Rockwell, Henry Cavill, Catherine O'Hara, and um, Brian Cranston, who both get to cook in this. So there's a lot of people who get to cook. There's a lot of fun. The cat is cute and funny and like a whole shtick with that. Um, So this is kind of a weird one. I would say in the end, I don't think anybody needs to go see this in theaters. This movie is weirdly long. It's over two hours and feels every bit like it's over two hours because because of the nature of the reveals and the onion that he kind of pulls back. It feels like this movie stops at least four times before we get to the end and you're like, oh, whoa, we're going to keep going. Okay, Uh, sure. But um, I think it'd be a good fun one for streaming. That's my takeaway for you guys. It's like this is going to be a fun one to sit down on streaming. You know, there's fun little... Things. It's Henry Cavill with a weird haircut. There's the Dua Lipa scene you've seen kind of advertised all over the place. And like when you get into kind of the blend of fantasy and reality, Vaughn does some really fun things with that. And that can, that is probably the most fun trope of this whole movie, is seeing these worlds of fantasy and reality kind of sifting through one another, literally in scenes of kind of transitioning. And there are impressive scenes where the real world is becoming the fantasy world and vice versa. And those are kind of great, funny moments. But it's overly long. It's a little too much like Matthew Vaughn got free reign to do and kind of went full Zack Snyder in this one. Um, but I think at home on streaming, it'll be enjoyable. I, I feel like also this is one of those movies, and I say this sometimes, that was like focus grouped for Matt and like made for Matt. Uh, because like it has- really? Yes, it has all the delights you would like. Like the cat alone and all of that stuff. The cat like, does look awesome. Like you're gonna be all about that. And I think you'll really like the kind of hooks and twists of this movie and kind of like what it's really all about. Um, yeah, I feel like this was focus group for you. There's a lot all of stuff right. You sold
2: me. All right, I'll
3: give it a watch. Kof, so, I, I, I got two questions with this one. Number one, how's John Cena?
1: John Cena, I mean, at this point, it, it'd be weirder to say John Cena was bad than John Cena's, like, holding up his end. Uh, like I said, there's, I, I don't, There, it's hard. There's so many roles that are related to one another that I don't want to spoil and get into because... You know, they're about what the nature of this film is. Like I said, there's a layer of fantasy and there's a layer of reality. So some of the players are doing fantasy, and some of the players are supposed to be quote unquote reality. Obviously, in the spy world, but comparatively, they're the real world versus the spy world, or versus the fantasy world. And uh, John Cena fits into his part perfectly, and and like everybody is used in a way that plays with our knowledge of who they are. So like. John Cena being John Cena is played for a joke. Henry Cavill Cavill being Henry Cavill is played for a joke. Dua Lipa played for a joke. And even Bryce Dallas Howard in this movie is a very part of whatever you think about Bryce Dallas Howard and her kind of goody nature. Like all of that is used in this movie kind of to play with our perception. So John Cena fits in nicely. What's your uh, second question?
3: Second question. The conspiracy surrounding this movie. I'm sure you've heard it. The whole Taylor Swift of it all is that addressed is or was this completely internet-brained into existence? I didn't even hear that. What was that? the The theory is that she wrote the book that this is based off of, which is why it got bought for so much and why the film rights to this—it's
2: a whole thing. Look, you can. Look I saw something about that going around. Yeah, okay. yeah,
1: I remember that. Okay. I mean good for her if she did like that's just another writing skill she has but I don't think any no there's nothing in this that that's kind of like oh I'm I mean if this was written by Taylor Swift it's Taylor Swift wishing she could do something more interesting than travel from place to place and you know keep doing media tours <laughs> it's like uh, or maybe she is in the CIA and saving the world who knows like who knows what is going on with Taylor that's her Swift next,
2: that's her next music video Okay. Yeah, there was no karma dropping Save here. Her. There was, uh,
1: man. What I feel
2: like people are show? just
4: putting news out about Taylor Swift and hopes that we'll get Swifties to
2: like probably act on it. That, like, uh, yeah, oh my that. God,
4: Taylor Swift wrote this. Everybody, go watch it. Like, and it's smart. It's a great marketing campaign, yeah, that's true. but
2: like. Argyle Taylor's version.
3: But like Matthew Vaughn got asked about it. All the actors keep getting asked about oh it. Oh my lord. That was driving.
4: God. <laughs> what did they say?
3: It's, they're all just like, where the hell did this come
2: from? I know. Okay.
4: <laughs>
2: you if guys I should check Vaughn. out my
4: Instagram story right now. It's literally talking about how Taylor Swift is not a cyborg. It's great. It's hilarious.
1: Oh boy. All right, guys. Everybody, relax. Like, <laughs> I don't know anything about this. All I can say <laughs> is that. I don't even I don't I don't even know what to say anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think what Vaughn did was smart and the kind of studio did was smart, which was creating the fantasy about who whether the book was real, the author is real, whether it was a real book being adapted to a movie. And all of that was like some viral marketing we haven't seen since the 2010s, right? Sure. Um so it just kind of propelled this, it created PR buzz. So I think. Yeah. That's what people are saying in the comments they heard. J.K. Rowling (laughs) wrote the book. Like Anybody hot-buttoned, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if anybody at the end of this wants to take credit for it so much, so that's up in the air. We'll see uh, what the box office says, and then we'll see who steps up to claim it. All right, so that's Argyle. Like I said, my bottom line is, I think this is a wait-at-home. You guys can check it out on streaming, and you'll be just as satisfied probably because you can pause, get up, and come back, and even more so. Um, if you want to see some spy comedy action, go watch Obliterated because you didn't, and now it's canceled by Netflix, and it's <laughs> wonderful, and we should have done more on this show, and I screwed that one up, too, for not hyping that show up. But Netflix really messed that one up. You guys messed that up in marketing. If you guys had released Obliterated now in January or February, when yeah. things are so much slower collectively people would have been all over that like we would have all been talking about that you released it in the middle of like november in the holiday season when the market was flooded and it got just lost and now here we are but go check out obliterated this weekend if you don't want to see argyle because you can get a lot more laughs and and some even some greater action moments out of that series on netflix all right, let's keep with the spy theme because we can't get away from it this week. I didn't even realize that. Gang, we have our group review this week, which is a the t- on the TV screen, and it is Amazon Prime's new TV adaptation of Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie infamous 2000s action comedy, which is being rebooted with Donald Glover and uh, what's her name? Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm forgetting. Sign. I know. It's the uh, the lady who was actually the um, – I can't – I'm trying to, like, think of Blue-Eyed Samurai. She's the voice of uh, Blue-Eyed Samurai. But now I just can't remember her name, and I can't find it because typing in Mr. and Mrs. Smith on any kind of search engine, it makes me want to jump off a building because <laughs> nobody wants to pull it up. Uh, my Maya Erickson is We're getting uh, a
4: no spoilers uh request in the chat. Ah,
1: good. Okay. We're yeah. not gonna do spoilers, guys. Like this isn't a this isn't a spoilers thing, John Brown. You guys are safe. This is a impressions review. Yeah, we, we know this just Spider. came out. So yeah, we, we <laughs> it just it literally just came out. <laughs> we are burdened by the knowledge of screeners, but we never do spoilers up front. This is just our impressions of the series. If there's ever spoilers on comic book nation, our Awesome, awesome team in the uh, control room. Always drops a spoiler warning on the screen for you guys. And you'll hear me do the famous spoiler alert. And, you know, we usually let you know. All right. So, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. um, You know, there was a lot of skepticism facing this series coming in because the Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie movie is, you know, pretty iconic for being what it is. Uh, I got to say... This one was also a weird one for me because, and it was also directed by Doug Lyman, who has gone on to just be really an excellent director and kind of come up and did Edge of Tomorrow, Born Identity. Like, you know, Lyman has just gotten better with time. But that was like his big kind of breakout film. And he's even coming back this year with that Roadhouse film we just talked about uh, last week that we're all excited for. So that was the original. That's a hard thing to top. This series doesn't try to directly top that in any kind of way. It's a very much a different take on this. When they say reboot, they're not kidding. Uh, it's a very much a reboot, but um, yeah, Hiro Morai as a director, uh, like there's a lot of talent involved in this, but I found this to be a very weird project. And at first I was kind of kind of come in with my whole thesis being, I wish Amazon had released this weekly instead of in a binge. But then, as I went on, I kind of like realized why they didn't. And for me, it was because it's just okay. Like, I don't feel like Mr. and Mrs. Smith would have been appointment TV for me of any kind if it had been weekly. Right. I think it would have died quickly. Um, It's just never pulling me in. And it's because I think there's a lot about the vibe of it that's just weird to me from that, like, previously on music that they play. With like the wind chimes and the empty kind of Zen sounds and that to the whole vibe between Irxen and Glover as a couple in like their quote unquote chemistry, um, and just the way each episodes kind of flow <laughs> and play out, it was weird and and like I didn't dislike it. I was intrigued with every episode when I went in, but like like I said, if it had been weekly, I don't think I'd have. Th- probably been stacking up two or three episodes that I needed to catch up on before I would be fully caught up. But that's just me. I have no idea where you guys are going to go with this. My throat is dry. I've talked for way too long. (laughs) Janelle, what did you think about this? Because I know you were skeptical about this too, going in, right? Yeah.
4: Um, I really tried to go into this with a positive attitude. And I actually, um, I will say the opening scene got me. Like I, I, as soon as it started, and obviously we're not doing spoilers, but as soon as it started, there's an opening scene and I was super into it. And I was like, I don't know who these characters are. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know where we are. Am I watching the right movie or like show? And I was super into it. And then it went to the real show. (laughs) 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 And then it went to the actual story uh, with the, you know, Jane and John. Um, so that are I the feature it. characters. And it was such a letdown for me. I cannot tell you how much I was painting myself to watch this show. Uh, it was absolutely a yawn fest. I don't know how else to say it. There were not any moments that made me excited anywhere throughout this entire first three episodes. And I, again, was painting myself to keep hitting play on the next episode.
2: <laughs> okay so I, I i love that you said Yawnfest. so yawn fest. i'm gonna go okay because so i w- watched another show that we'll talk about uh here in a, in a little bit same and yep. then um i followed it up with the first episode of this right same. And so i went right from one to the other and then i'm not kidding i've so the opening sequence awesome i was like oh yeah. this is cool i'm into it and then like Two, 15, 20 minutes past that, I, I actually fell asleep. And oh my I, now I will not credit that all with the show because I was supremely tired and I was just, I was tired. So I'm not going to blame it all on the show, but like it didn't, I was equally as tired the hour before when I was watching the other show and I didn't have that same problem. So like, and and it's kind of goes to the things Kofi was talking about, but like the elevator music and the vibe, like it's so
4: there's no chemistry. It's just these actors are great uh, actors. I please don't get me wrong. The actors are fine. I feel like the writing was there. It's just something is not clicking. Like it's not fitting together. And it's just not going to give you the magic from Angelina and Brad. Like you're just it, there's no magic there. I at think all. they
2: went the right way too, though. I I yeah. love the premise. I love the idea yeah. of not getting into yeah. spoilers. But like, I love how it's different in in mm-hmm. approach to the Agreed. actual core premise.
1: I disagree. I think that really that therein lies the problem with this Hell. show. Okay. It's a spoiler because they've put the premise out in. Okay. In the cool. Trailer. All right. Um, I think them being a married couple with secrets like this that, that they don't know about each other in the romantic intrigue of that is different than two spies who are assigned to be married with each other. And I don't think this show ever earns this. It never commits to one side or another. It basically, and I've watched, I'm on the like second to last episode, and each episode is just structured around some relationship aspect, right? Yeah. It's called like, double date. Do you want kids? Like, and, and that's the themes of each episode. So it's really a relationship show, but it, it doesn't give you any enough of the spy world. Like Mr. Right. And Mr. Smith, The movie made you understand the world. You knew who Brad, what kind of assassin Brad Pitt was versus what kind Angelina Jilly was and how that affected their relationship. Brad Pitt was mm-hmm. running gun, ragtag, come up with a plan on the fly. Well, Joe Lee's team was like super a person type a you know, had our whole crew, they would nail down all the intel. And so that fed into the relationship. This is like, they start out, and we have no idea what the spy world is for them. It's just a blank screen. These are not spoilers. It's just a blank screen. They never fill it out to the point where you feel like there's dread or danger anywhere past, like, I think, the first episode. And it's just them like kind of just listlessly going through the motions of a of a relationship in mundane life as a couple most of the time until we get these kind of bizarre, never quite action scenes. There's only like a couple action sequences. They do a lot of avoiding action sequences, like walking into things and then cutting to afterwards or something like that. There's a, there's a sequence like that. in one of my favorite episodes, which is double date. Um, And what really makes this series are when guest stars pop up, there's a bunch of guest stars in it. And in, in these episodes in like that double date episode is a couple of really dynamic guest stars, but they cut around a lot of action. So it's not thrilling on the action. And so therefore, because you don't know the spy context, it's hard to buy these people just falling into a relationship and, and building one because we never see anything like too hot between them. That's like, oh, yeah, I get why these two are into each other it's just almost like existential. They're like, we've been assigned here. So yeah. Well, and that's the,
2: so what, so I, because I, I love the premise and the idea and even hint at it in the first episode of like, that they're going to touch on those things that they do in the movie within what half an hour. I mean, they, they establish a lot in that, in the movie pretty quickly here. They give you hints to all that of like, Oh, like she's more this way and he's more this, but, it, like the stuff in between, like there's not an en- one, there's not enough balance. There's there's not enough of, especially when they set the precedent from the get go. They that level of intensity never it never gets back there, and so that that's an issue. Like it needs there's like a, I feel like there's a whole half a show missing, and like that that stuff needs to be in there to like balance out the relationship slow slow drawn out stuff because there's some great things in there. These are good actors Um, and, and seeing them learn about each other is interesting. I, I think if they did an exact, if they took the exact premise from the movie, there was, to me, it was kind of a lose lose. Cause I don't know that you can, regain that chemistry that chemistry is like one of a kind right it was between two people that would go on to be married (laughs) and they're you know and i can't even remember if they were married at the time or not or whatever um but like that's a real thing right how are you gonna replicate that in a in a vacuum so I, i do applaud them going a slightly different route but it just to me didn't quite work
1: so uh first before we go on to connor i just want to say happy birthday shout out to carl b day's mom happy birthday to your mom bro we'll celebrate tonight uh yeah it's gonna be fun uh connor go ahead what was your impression of mr and mrs smith Uh, i missed this one unfortunately
3: did did catch the uh the finale of uh has been hotel but i wanted to watch this one with the better half and her our schedules did not line up uh, but that's dating life for you.
4: Oh darn! Yeah. Do you want to watch it after hearing us chat about? <laughs> like I didn't miss much. I yeah. Yeah.
1: We didn't
2: exactly hype you up.
1: <laughs> so. <laughs> so cute. You got
4: to give it a try, though. I'm curious what
1: you so, think. Yeah. Wait for your significant others. It's, At least nice. the first episode. You guys are cute, man. I love you guys. You guys give me uh, nostalgia. Mm-hmm. All right, oh, so let's move on to our other big TV premiere of the week. Matt, you want to take that one?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I am hyped. Uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. uh, Season one, to me, was a bit of a sleeper hit. And I feel like along the way, a lot of people discovered it, especially once it started hitting like Disney Channel and uh, Disney Plus and all those things. And so now we're back with season two. Season one landed on a huge cliffhanger. Uh, So it was actually kind of, it was like a two-part finale. They they really went all out. And here, um, you know, I've had the chance to see uh, several episodes of the season no spoilers here obviously um but what i will say is they they pick up right where that left off uh in the season premiere which is uh live today uh on disney and uh man th- th- there's just so much like everything i loved about the first season is just been kind of doubled we get sp- Beyonder Lawrence Fishburne's Beyonder is fantastic, and if you thought so in season one, he's even um he's even better in season two. Uh, same with you know uh, Edward James Olmos as Molecule Man. Uh, what a what a great uh, debut uh, for the character uh, Lunella is just priceless, and because of the reveals in season one of Mimi being the original Moon Girl and now someone knows who Lanella is. And so now there's like this whole new dynamic that they start to build on because once someone's identity is out to at least one other person, right? You can talk about it, it it allows for more exploration in that, especially with someone in the family. So there's just so many opportunities for, for character growth. And also there's a bunch of new characters, a ton of new guest stars. Uh, in the season, and I'm super excited for people to check this out. So I was high on season one. Uh, that has not changed. I am high on season two as well.
1: Um, Yeah, going to the comments, Briwood, loyal friend to the show, Briwood. Uh, I've started Death and Other Details, which mm-hmm. is uh, that new Hulu show. It's a fun little mystery romp on a, on a cruise ship. I have not watched uh, Feud, Capote versus the Swans, and I don't know if I will. That gets a little too uh, Wonder Bread for my likings. But uh, you never know. I like history. And, you know, I am a writer. Truman Capote is a important figure in the writing world. But uh, we'll check it out. But, uh, yeah, death and other details has been enjoyable if you're looking for that murder, only murders in the building kind mm. of funny, comedic mystery romp so love murders do check that Murder. out yeah. all right we are going to take a quick break but when we come back we are going to break down what we saw in the netflix 2024 slate presentation plus we got to go into some of the bonus areas oh no we actually kind of plugged that we actually did that yeah. so we're gonna we're gonna skip past that and uh get to some gaming impressions plus I think we got some wrestling to talk about. So a lot to do and a lot more fun content. Stay tuned.
5: Selling a little or a lot.
1: Welcome back to comic book nation. The only show where we do it all for geek culture. If you are just jumping into our live stream show, we did our review of Matthew Vaughn's new spy comedy film Argyle plus the Amazon Mr. And Mrs. Smith TV series reboot and Matt cooked on some moon girl and devil dinosaur season two. Uh, yes. Shout out to, again, we're going into the comments. You should be here on the live show because, uh, you know, the comments are always popping here and we love to answer you guys back. All in the game, we are watching True Detective Season 4. Uh, we haven't talked any True D up here. We should probably uh, get on that pretty soon. At least check in, maybe, maybe next week. We've just had such busy shows that, yeah. like, uh, like, we just, this one gets edged out. Like, I mean, there's not too much we can say. It's kind of one of, it's also one of those shows I don't feel like is, quite as discussable as the first season it's more like you kind of watch this you make your connections and you're like ooh, and then you kind of just move on with it but uh yeah i'm enjoying it for what it is you know i, I don't i don't hate true con- i'm not i'm not one on this whole true detective hate train if i could sit through some of the past seasons and some of the seasons of fargo i can definitely enjoy this um Calise reese and and jodie foster are doing their thing all right but uh let's talk about what happened just yesterday, we got some previews from Netflix about what content they're bringing to the table in 2024. You guys want to run us through some of this, Connor? You want to take it? We haven't heard a lot from you today. You want to run us through any of this?
3: Sure. Yeah. So we'll go. We we'll hit some of the highlights. Umbrella Academy's final season is coming out. I feel like this this show lost a bit of steam with season three, but I, I'm very curious to see how they wrap it up. Uh, We got Cobra Kai's final season. They're doing the World Championship Tournament. We see nothing of it in the few seconds of footage. But Christ, I am excited for this thing. This is one of my most anticipated of the year. Um, We've also got Rebel Moon Part 2. We're not getting Stranger Things until... (laughs)
2: 2025.
3: Yeah, you let me do this. Um, No, Stranger uh,
2: Things, boo. I'm so bummed that we're not getting it until 2025. uh, (laughs)
3: That does suck. I thought you were booing me for my hatred. Oh, no, no, the no. Moon, which is well documented. Um, uh, the three-body problem looks interesting. Um, there, there were a lot of just like, hey, how do I take this? All I get is four seconds of a of a clip. Um, and But at least twice of those were Eddie Murphy uh, back in the Beverly Hills cop role. So at least we have that to look forward to. And uh, And I think the one that grabbed the most attention was the 10 seconds of Squid Game Season 2, which really just felt like a recreation of the final scene of squid game season one. We still have no idea how they're going to tackle this one. We don't know if we're going back into another set of games. Uh, Some of the photos might've indicated that, but I'm still, anything I see I'm taking with a grain of salt until we're there with the actual show. Um, But I also, and I I wanted to pass this to the, to the rest of y'all with that show specifically, I saw a comment the other day that said this is going to run into the same problem as the hunger games where the fans want to see more squid games, but the show is heading in the direction of we need to break this actual system and not let these keep happening. Mm-hmm. Is that going to be a problem? Do you think?
1: Um, I, I think that like, I think the sophomore season is going to determine the longevity potential of this series. The first season is such a self-contained story. It's an entire arc of who these contestants are from start to finish, and and like what the result is of that, even when you've, quote unquote, won when you've been through this experience that stripped out so much of your humanity. Like, what does that leave you and what does that do to you? Um, I think tackling that and continuing that is the real challenge. Once they kind of get into this next chapter, it's you, you almost by nature have to make the entire world kind of stand up and and be bolstered and, and hold up because we didn't have to get into too much in the first season. It was just literally what was right in front of us in the confines of that game and we only knew what was about about that in a small portion outside of it uh investigating the game by the end we knew this was a whole worldwide operation this is on a much bigger scale with a much bigger kind of scope so i think this if they expand this and do this well i think after that then you've opened up the door this is their Iron Man, too, right? Like after this, you can do any number of things. You can Uh-oh. spin off, do other stories, reality <laughs> shows. You know, build up to some event or something. Like you can do a lot after this, but you got to be able to do this next part. I look at it more like Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat Annihilation. <laughs> you remember, like if you, yeah, if you can tell yeah. if you're a '90s movies person and you remember that. Yeah, Mortal Kombat was great. The first one when we were just in that little simple tournament when we had to go to Outworld and get this bigger story, like things just went. And so
2: and so I almost wonder if it's better than just to keep that format then like like just keep it more i mean it's so hard now because they've established so so much much, so much of
3: season one was you asking like what the hell is actually going on here yeah and you can't do that again because the audience will know
1: well i think you could do a double twist which is showing you something that looks like season one in the game with new players who don't Mm -hmm. know dramatic irony they don't know what's going on you do. And then a second storyline that's about like day two or like, and the people outside of the game or the, you know, the winner of season one, what he's trying to do to stop the games and what's going on outside the game. And then we get some other twists that maybe we find out he's in another game that he doesn't know he's in. And like, you know, Ooh, nothing. bust like Buster, Buster like. twist. Yeah. Mm. Or you do some Saul type stuff, right? Oh, like yeah. where It's like pet where you think you're watching two storylines at different points, but they're really kind of like linked in some way that you didn't expect until, somebody walks into a game room and you're like, wait, we're all in the game. I mean, that'd be great if we all get some trippy thing where it's like, we're all still in the game, like, and we don't know what's going on. Um, I mean, but I still think our idea for launching the season was still the best one. Which we is are the lines. walking dead. Yeah, exactly. blurring the lines between the reality <laughs> show and, and, then, then and what, what? the act series would be, would be the best kind of commentary in a way. It'd be the most meta show we've had yet. Exactly, and then last
3: thing because I didn't mention it earlier, but we are getting little more bits and pieces of it, and even uh, the the creators of it are coming out and saying we added this, we didn't keep this. Uh, it's Avatar: The Last Airbender. We're we're seeing more of the bending, but we're also hearing things like, hey, we're going to see how the Air Nation nomads got wiped out, but we're going to take away certain character aspects like so- Sokka's immature sexism at the beginning of the show, which has got people all up in a tizzy from everything yeah, you guys have seen. So yeah, far. I
1: wanted to, yeah, we should that's because that's so weird. It is. It's it so weird in calling it in like immature sexism is weird. The terms we're creating for this is weird. That's just being a young child and, and having the natural development patterns of a young child, like girls have cooties. And by the end of the series, he becomes a completely different person. What we're stripping away is character arcs, which growing uh, up is one of the best things about that show. Yeah. Like if we don't start in a flawed place, there is no character movement. If your character's perfect from the beginning and perfect at the end, we've done nothing but watch them go through motions of actions. And it means nothing to us because we are not perfect and we can't connect to that. Like this whole thing where we've now gotten into a place where. Everybody has to be a perfect vessel for all correct ideas at all times is insane. Like, and like, it's just not even a story anymore. So I was kind of like weirdly, I'm not even about like about the animated series like that. I just objected to that on principle. I'm like, that's crazy. Like, (laughs) like, why are we changing this character that people know? I don't. It was a defining characteristic of him as he watches all these other like powerful characters and powerful women also begin to kind of do dope stuff. And he has to have a character change. Like,
2: uh. I'm looking forward to this show for the same reasons I'm, I was looking forward to, like, One Piece. Because I think this is – I'm not – I'm, like, with COVID. I'm not – well, he's seen it. I haven't really delved into the animated series. So mm. uh, this or Korra. So, like, I, I'm really coming at it with a very surface knowledge of, of things. Um, but I agree. I mean, I hope they don't remove, you know <laughs> – <laughs> the the actual character growth and and arcs and uh you know in hopes of uh I don't know trying to make someone perfect or too perfect yeah. but I mean I hope this does for me what One Piece did for me which is actually the other piece of bumming news uh no pun intended there uh is that along with Stranger Things there was no sign of Wednesday season two and there was no sign of One Piece season two so yeah. like three of my you know most anticipated netflix things are like not probably not happening this year i will well, say i'm actually excited for uh millie bobby brown's damsel that actually looks cool um but yeah i i was bummed about that so i i had some takeaways but they were like oh no my show's not coming <laughs> for yeah, I mean,
1: those the strike casualties we knew i mean yeah
2: we knew yeah yeah i they,
3: they've, they've got bullets in the chamber they've got oh, for sure and they've got avatar they've got squid games like there's enough oh yeah there, Getting back to Avatar for a second, I was with the show from day one on Nickelodeon, and I followed it all the way through, and then Korra, and I can tell you, this is a fan base that has been hurt before by the Shyamalan live-action movie, so this thing is being checked with a fine-tooth comb, and while I'm not crazy about that Sokka piece of news, everything I've seen action-wise is fantastic, which was one of the worst parts of the Shyamalan movie, besides whenever they talked was, hey, this bending looks like crap. (laughs) And I cannot say about this because everything I've seen so far looks awesome. Oh my God.
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, I will say overall Netflix did a really good job just organizing this trailer. It's hard to preview content this varied in, in this amount in any kind of cohesive way, but the way they kind of framed it thematically by appealing to kind of things you like to see in movies, like here's the action, here are the twists. Oh, these are the last things. These are the last seasons of all these shows. They did a good job of grouping things together and saying, here's the new stuff. Here's the stuff that's retiring. Here's a bunch of these genres, this genre, this genre. And, you know, there's something for everybody and kind of just proving why they're still the king of streaming in in the midst of all the stuff we've gone through this year. Janelle, this is like uh, the one streaming platform we can always count on for you to be engaged (laughs) in. How did you feel about the uh, 2024 preview?
4: I, I actually was really stoked about a lot of this. Um, even the ones that like we haven't really discussed, like the non nerdy ones like that. Uh, what What is that one? This one that they're showing right here. Um, oh, Bridgerton. 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 Yes, Bridgerton. I-, I loved that. That was a really charming, cute little clip. Um, the squid game thing. I'm just checked out right now. Personally, I I just I don't know where they're going to go. And I don't it's been too long for me. So they need to build my excitement again. Everything else got me really excited. Like the action with the Cameron Diaz, like mom and dad action film looks so cool. Um, (laughs) There's so many little tidbits that I love that I didn't really focus on the main ones like squid games, you know, I was just kind of like, eh. but my most exciting, the thing that I am like just over the moon about is the new F1 um, oh, uh, drive to survive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for that to come out. I'm a huge F1 fan. Um, and then also Umbrella Academy. I am just, I- I'm so sad. This is the last season. So I'm extremely curious and I have really high hopes for it. Um, and I don't want to be disappointed. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, thought they did a great job.
1: Yeah, that we're going to have content this year. Yeah, yeah. We're going yeah. to be all right. We're going to be all right. All right. So moving right along, uh, Just some things I wanted to give you guys a chance because now that we do all these bonus episodes, we can't all be together all the time, guys. I know we have separation anxiety. But uh, let's see. Matt and Janelle, did you guys have anything you wanted to uh, pop off on about the Supergirl casting? Because I don't believe you guys were on that bonus episode. Or Matt, were you? Was it you or Mm -hmm. not, Connor?
2: I was not. Yeah, it was just you and Connor. Connor.
1: Yeah, okay. My memory's right. All right. So uh, Matt and Janelle, do you guys have anything you wanted to get off your chest about the Supergirl casting? Janelle?
4: Um, I'm cautiously optimistic, as always. Uh, I've only seen Millie play it as like a little girl. So I don't know. Obviously, you guys picked like the anime picture where she actually looks like her. Um, <laughs> but like in the comic <laughs> picture, she doesn't really look like her. Uh, I, I I think it'll be great. But I, I definitely thought we would have an older actress casted in this role, a little more worn a little more uh I don't know, jaded and you know, because of this version that we're yeah. getting of Supergirl who's going through what she's going through. Um, but but I'm not saying it's not gonna be good. I just I'm curious. I'm just I'm I'm very curious to see how this
2: goes.
3: Janelle, yeah. they get them in their early 20s so that they can use them in the <laughs> franchise for another decade.
4: Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> I liked all three possibilities. I was cool yeah. with any of them. And um, while I was kind of rooting. For one in particular, uh, and and that didn't happen, but I'm still like, I I still have like trust in that, like, okay, it's in good hands. Like, you know, I think she can she can do it. I do agree with you um, as far as that particular take on Supergirl is obviously a little, you know, older skewing. Right. So I thought maybe. Maybe that would be the approach, but. In all three cases, I knew they connect and I know, you know, they can they can probably knock it out of the park. So um, I'm excited to see what this is. So that's a good thing. It was a positive for me all around.
1: I remember in the book and in Woman of Tomorrow, the first chapter is she's drinking in a bar on her birthday. And yeah. I don't remember, but I think she's in her 20s. In, yeah. In yeah. Her, yeah. So she's still like relatively young. She's right. been yeah. yeah, and that's kind of the point of it. It's like I just think of Millie as like twelve. <laughs> yeah, it's like I've only been X years old, and I've already been through like X amount of trauma. Like, yeah. and that's what she's drinking about. Um, so I, I, mean, I get it. And uh, we did it in the in the in depth bonus episode. We just flashed on screen. Go listen to that. But uh, we had a great conversation. But we talked about Gun and and just the whole details that were in the announcement. And since the announcement of Gun saying like. Yeah, they put her through the screen test and, and, and the costume test. They put her through the dramatic test yeah. and we and we were kind of speculating they put her through all those things because that book is so complicated and the characterization mm-hmm. is so complicated. So they didn't just see, I mean, they saw House of the Dragon. He also said that and was like, Oh, I think she'd be good. But they they put her through the rigorous, you know, testing yeah. and screening process. So she did her thing and and really proved that she can knock this out of the park because she was actually my my the one I was least kind of cheering for, not because she's anything wrong. Right. I love House of the Dragon. I just thought McDonnelly is playing Supergirl. Yeah, I know. She's doing it right now in those crisis movies and going. deep. She was my it. pick. So, yeah. um, and I and I wrote a whole article about Amelia Jones and what she's done in her career because she's the most accomplished out of the three of them and has proven the most range on screen from Coda to just genre films to to all the other things she's done. So. But, I, I mean, I trust that if she went through the process and and really showed that she can do it, uh, I don't think they made it easier for her. And uh, second follow-up question, in the days since, we've heard that Gunn has confirmed there are two more DCU projects in development right now after Creature Commandos and Superman Legacy. It seems obvious that one of them is Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow because we've gotten the star, the writer and I'm pretty sure we're pretty close to getting a director announcement on that. So it seems pretty obvious that's one of them. What do you guys think the second one is? I wrote an, I wrote that article too on comicbook.com DC, and uh, I kind of went with Connor's theory. I think that what we're doing first is we're going to knock out a whole Superman arc. I think it's going to be Creature Commandos sets up some stuff in the past that's different, that that kind of threads a whole other thing. But Superman Legacy will introduce that world. I think Superman, uh, that that will lead into the authority movie. And I think Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow will be a spinoff from the Superman universe. And so you have one corner that's like fully established before we get into too much other stuff. Smart. So that's my theory. Does anybody have any differ differing theories? Because both those projects, also the math has to math. We've heard that Supergirl will show up in multiple projects before her film so that's three other projects coming before her film confirmed creature commando superman legacy mystery project and presumably her film being the fourth one crazy
2: that it sounds you know organized and well thought out uh what a concept yeah um it could be waller because we know
3: peace we know gunn will do peacemaker season two but that won't be until after he finishes with superman yeah so yeah that's the most boring boring, option but but it's also the the most possible yeah Yeah.
1: also james we know james mangold had that was what was cooking on swamp thing in the background and he's in gun kind of alluded to some things have changed order them things they might have rearranged because of how good the script was or the ideas or just things they were cooking and linking together so I feel like that's also one that could be a dark horse pick. It could be like Swamp Thing. But um, I, I'm kind of leaning into them just completing one entire corner arc. Smart. It also,
3: yeah. also feels like they're waiting until more of the Batman is out before they even touch Brave and the Bold. Yeah.
2: Which we've is also, smart. Yeah. Which is also smart. she's also smart. if if you're really putting your chips in, and what what we've seen in the comics in the last two years is that like Superman works if you put in the time and the effort and you put in the character development and build that supporting cast, right? So just translate that to the movies like give it time, develop a, a group. And that way, when you do introduce Batman, it doesn't feel like it's a knee jerk reaction or too quick or whatever. You give it its time, you give it its due, and Superman's already built up, and he should be because he's one of your marquee characters. So, uh, I think it sounds great, and I think it. While you know, I'm not like especially looking forward to Waller, I do think that actually makes the most sense because you can establish a lot of things in that. Uh, so, for the world as well as superman so it makes it makes
1: sense all right let's keep moving on mm, we got to talk about, a little bit about suicide squad kill the justice league i told you that we launched our new segment show quick save where kate onder and logan moore came on and talked in depth They have been hands-on with the game but they've only had it for now i think almost 72 hours max 48 yeah. hours minimum <laughs> we're in that range so they haven't had it that long but um just to give you an impression go check out that full episode but their impressions were this that while there is fun to be had Cade had more fun than Logan in the story the comedy the kind of banter between the suicide squad characters they said the game design itself just seems kind of misconceived I think is the, is the best word for it. Yeah. that There's too much stopping. There's too much like side games that aren't even official side games. They're, they're required stuff. They make you do that feel like side games. There's too many menus and information and upgrades and customizations and stuff that gets in the way of just what should be the pure fun of just playing as these characters. They also said some of the characters are definitely designed better than others. It's fun to play as dead shot, Or as because uh, he
2: shoots guns.
1: He shoots guns and (laughs) and can move around the maps a lot better than say Harley Quinn or King Shark can. So while those characters are fun in spirit, they're not necessarily fun as playable characters. Uh and and that, yeah, just the storyline is also one that doesn't seem to appeal to anybody in particular. Like Suicide Squad fans are not gonna find this so great. Um Longtime DC fans who loved like the Arkham games or even the Injustice games might are not going to necessarily think that the Suicide Squad being the people to go up against Justice League level characters makes any kind of sense in DC lore, which admittedly it doesn't really. Um, That's a big challenge for the game to get over, but it's about initially getting people in there right to to want to play this. And having this game be something like Destiny that lasts for years and years and years. And it doesn't initially seem right now like there's any kind of hook for any particular group. It's too kind of clunky for gamers. It's too kind of just out there for DC fans. Suicide fans are going to come to this and be like, this game is also too just complicated and menu heavy and customization heavy for anybody mainstream to just jump in and have fun with right so it just seems like it's just you know it's doing a lot of work to fall through the cracks and just land in nowheresville and hopefully we're wrong but it's looking and feeling like after such a long wait that's what's going to happen with this game is it's just going to kind of fall through the cracks of not necessarily pleasing anyone Although there were shots thrown that it's better than Marvel's Avengers. My yeah, which, by flawed. the way, is,
2: is flawed because uh, in that game, those heroes feel like they're heroes from the comics, like they actually have individual powers. They didn't shoehorn a gun into their hands and then make them all control the same and just go, hey, traverse the environment different, but still shoot the same purple orb. They actually <laughs> all felt like unique and had powers. That's what you should do <laughs> if you're going to do in this game, which this game already has against it. So that is flawed argument number two what i will say though is that one thing i do actually slightly disagree on is that the format of having a suicide squad face justice leaguers or heroes has been done in the comics and in the animated movies several times and it can work but you have to have heavy hitters and you can't have like your team actually has to – there are actually villains out there that can go toe-to-toe with Superman and Green Lantern and things. Uh, this group has none of them. Uh-uh. <laughs> like, no, Boomerang is not going against any of these people. King Shard's a good pick maybe, but, like, you have your other two. Like, you know, where is, like, all the magic users? Where is Major Force? Like, there's some characters out there that can do some damage, and they have the potential to – to, to hold their own. So I think the that premise isn't necessarily offbeat. I just think their execution was – They I don't know. They picked a weird yeah, roster I, for that. I, I just right. feel like Tim
3: Robinson. I just want to shout at them, what did you do to us? Because between this and Arkham Knights, I'm just uh, – a Gotham Knights. I'm just sitting back here like, guys, Marvel's kicking your butts right now with a, a great single-player experience in Spider-Man. And y'all decided to go the live service route, and it's not working.
1: Yeah, Do our game else. said that was also a fatal flaw. That and they get it. They started developing this game so long ago. Yeah, in the Destiny era, they thought it would still be popping, but nobody really enjoys live service games that much anymore. Mm-mm. Like it was a fun experiment for a minute in the late 2010s, but uh, yeah, Crow I think
2: might have uh, the best. <laughs> recommendation here my brother doesn't hate this game he likes it but he said to wait on a sale that's probably <laughs> that's honestly fair. your best bet. Dark takeaway
1: me and yeah. matt said we're waiting for that guardians of the galaxy 1999 <laughs> sale, and then i'm going to be getting into some suicide squad yeah so but all right please do go and check out our full and imp- first impressions of this we have a really good discussion about this and the playstation year and gaming on quick save our new gaming segment bonus show so check that out on the uh, comic book nation youtube and podcast feed uh matt this is all your show now baby uh you (laughs) have been in quietly you weren't just out at royal rumble you've been quietly cooking in the corner for what is and if you guys don't know the history of this show this is a (laughs) pivotal comeback review from matthew aguilar who outside of Justice League may have sparked one of our most controversial comic book reviews of all time. Oh yeah.
2: That was two years. No, three. That was two iterations ago. <laughs> was it? Yes. <laughs> OK, so what? he? OK, number one, before I get into that, I want to give a shout out in the comments real quick uh, to Andrew uh, and um, hold on. John Brown. Uh, thank you guys for uh, wanting to pick up Trinity, for picking up Trinity. Thank you for listening to the pull list. Sincerely appreciate it. Glad we could uh kind of convey how awesome that book was and, and I hope you guys enjoy it as much as we do. Um and please let us know uh what you think. So yes, uh the at Royal Rumble weekend I uh, had the chance to uh check out WWE 2K24, which is the now third year after the relaunch. So it's the third iteration of this. Um if you read my reviews for the for the last two uh they've they've been For me, knocking out of the park uh, gameplay wise, it's they've been building on a solid foundation um, and they've been adding new features this year. The big uh, new new features that we got to try out. Uh, We didn't get to try out all of the new things and all the new matches. So hoping to get some time with that soon. Uh, It does come out in March, so it's right around the corner. Uh, But the ambulance match is a brand new match mode. A casket match will also be in the game. Uh, The showcase this year is the 40 years of WrestleMania. And then uh, there's a bunch of enhancements to the uh, brawls, backstage brawls, uh, all the modes, my GM, my faction, uh, my rise, all got new stories and things like that. We haven't had a chance to try that out. So really it's like core gameplay, seeing the upgrades there. There are multiple new features for that. Uh, ambulance matches and the showcase. So those are the main things uh, that I got to really get some hands on time with. And, and so far, you know, for me, it was kind of, uh, it was two out of three. Uh, the ambulance matches you see here is actually really fun. Uh, I was kind of going in with like, you know, like solid expectations because those matches like in real life aren't actually tend to be my favorite matches or anything. This was fun. Uh, This was there was a lot of back and forth right around, as you can see, kind of right around the doors The the tense moments of trying to get each door closed and even, you know, having to wear down the opponent right there, get creative uh, was fun. The back and forth is is really fun. So I think they did a really good job here uh, with a match that I don't actually typically dig that much in, in real life. Uh, but I would actually play these again. Um, moving into the showcase, uh, I, you know, 40 years, we got to, there was three different ones, uh, that we got to try. They'll do the full reveal, uh, at some point, uh, in time. But a lot of the matches, um, was Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair, Cody versus Roman, uh, and then Hulk, uh, versus Andre. Um, for, for me, you know, it was, uh, Ria, Rhea, like Ria's big moment, was always going to be the one I was probably going to jump into first, uh, and that was the case here. And and I gotta say that their what they call their slingshot technology of flipping from video game to real life footage is pretty fantastic and you'll see a couple instances here uh where it does that uh, i try to keep it small because you know hey i don't want a bunch of ww footage <laughs> showing on here uh but it's but it's actually really impressive and they do also a better job of giving you the since you're recreating moments you know it's kind of it's really important that one you know what to do next and be very direct about that like they tell you things of hey do this kick in the southeast corner like you know they they're they've honed that in a bit it didn't used to be as direct and sometimes you would just walk around the ring trying to activate the next deal uh you'll also see the new kind of um back and forth punches that we always see uh in an actual match that minigame is actually really fun doesn't pop up all the time but when it does it kind of does add a little bit of that uh, authenticity to the match. Uh, this was so was supremely fun. They've done a really good job of recreating those moments. Uh, I'm a big fan of Showcase. It's typically the first thing I dive into. Uh, so I, I think with the just those matches and the ones that are teased and promised and stuff, uh, this should be a great collection uh, of matches. Uh, and then finally, you'll see some kind of. Uh, loose, just me playing a Seth Rollins gameplay. Uh, one of the things is uh, supers are essentially they're actually it's like a super move based on your finisher, right? And what's great is you have to collect. It's it's a little bit of a Street Fighter, bring a little Street Fighter into that mode. Um, but what's great about it is like you can't use some of the moves to get right back into your match. You're able to hit some triggers and things to kind of bounce right back up sometimes after a finisher or signature. If you've been saving things with the super version of that, it takes that away, but it also takes you much longer uh, to collect that. I think it takes like three uh, like three, three bars, essentially. Um, so it, that's a really nice layer of, of strategy there. Uh, weapons, as you'll see, the Undertaker chucked a kendo stick at me. Uh, and I didn't think that throwing weapons would actually be that big of a deal. Uh, no, sir. It very much is. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Uh, it, it actually helps in these kind of situations in four ways and and triple threats. Being able to actually like pick up something, throw it, knock a person down, and then keep your attention on the opponent right in front of you is huge. Uh, and the AI is smart enough to use it as well, especially undertaker for some weird reason. Uh, the backstage brawl, uh, tried out, it's got new four player, uh, capabilities. Um, I wasn't as thrilled with that. It, it was kind of like, yes, there's some interactive, uh, pieces of the environment you're able to climb up ladders and really go in a big area that stretches into the like garage and you see the ambulance you see cars and stuff but like other than just normal weapons and like maybe the elevator uh the like soda machine some glass here and there there's just not a lot to do like you're just essentially having a match in a very boring area. And I might as well just have it in the ring where I have all these other things to interact with. Like there's nothing, you can't pick up a lot of the boxes that you're running through. You can't pick up the stuff that's like thrown around unless it's actually a weapon. And like things like the car are awesome, but like you can't really do anything on it, you know, you can throw them into the door, but like the, the window doesn't shatter or like the hood doesn't be like, so like, there's just like a level of interaction that needs to be there for me to really spend a lot of time in there. The elevator is fun though. You can go in the elevator. I dodged Rhea Ripley. I went all the way up to the highest thing and then came down the elevator and she had to run it all the way back down. That's fun. Right. That's that's good for a laugh. But I don't know if I'll return to that mode over and over again. So uh all in all, you know, from my time with it, I mean, last year's gameplay is I, I've continued to play 2K23 to this day. Uh And I spent a lot of time in my GM, my faction and just playing one on ones and and Royal Rumble matches. So 2K24 is going to pick up right on that and didn't drop a step as far as the actual gameplay and the other modes should and the showcase should keep me uh occupied until the next year's round so really promising showing we'll see i don't have the full game yet hopefully that happens soon and i'll give you a full review uh but uh until then yeah let's but but here but here's the thing we're gonna stay on the wrestling tip uh to round things out connor had a lot going on in the wrestling world. The Royal Rumble was just right here. Uh, and if you're a local to the Tennessee area, uh, Clarksville is getting NXT Vengeance Day, uh, which if anyone goes to, I expect you to cheer, <laughs> and not hate on my NXT. NXT Vengeance Day is going to be big time. Uh, there's a lot of title gold on the line. What makes it even more intriguing is the fact that For recent reports and things, there are a lot of call ups that are either about to happen or in real cases like Carmelo Hayes have really already happened. And we're just kind of finishing those things out. Um, We've got Carmelo Hayes, Trick Williams, Tiffany Stratton, Braun Breaker, all people that are either reportedly being moved to brands. Uh, have started already appearing on brands a lot in the SmackDown side of things, uh, and after Rumble showings like Stratton, uh, it's kind of like, hey, they're going to Raw or something like that. So we have a lot of that potential here. So there could be some title switches just to set up stories. Um, is it for the NXT Championship? It's going to be a fun one. I know you're, a, I know you're a Dragon off fan. He's he's fantastic, and we got him facing Trick Williams. Is it is it Williams' times champ? Dragonov going to stay on NXT? Where do you want to see him land? What, what's your thinking there? Man, it's hard because you mentioned the
3: call-ups and I could just as easily see Dragonov get called up as I True. could Carmelo. But at the same time, I think they've been playing out like the one highlight I will definitively give to NXT right now is this trick, Carmelo. When is the betrayal coming? Yeah, it's got to happen. They've been dragging it out, but it, actually works to where each time you're like is it is it finally going to be time because when it does happen it's going to hit like a ton of bricks yeah and that's going to be that's going to be fantastic and the question is do you want do you need the nxt title to tell that story does carmelo need to cost trick the chance to win the title and then that be what leads to their clash right or does trick need to win and that's what sends carmelo over the edge yeah. And I don't have an answer because I could just as easily them say, we don't want to get rid of Dragonov just yet, even though Gunther is in need of a challenger. Oh, buddy. Intercontinental Championship reign. And uh, who was the last guy to pull that off? None other than this crazy bastard.
2: Main roster only watchers are not ready for no. that for those matches those are gonna oh. be oh insane <laughs> and I, I i just pray they let them
3: do what they do because yes. that stuff was brutal yeah um so no it this this i'll give this show this I, I don't know what's gonna happen it's hard to call so for that i am intrigued now and th- then it's also like hey Braun breaker's actually doing some really entertaining stuff do you give him and baron the win over Trick and Mello to open the show.
2: Who were one of the most delightful new teams, the Wolf Dogs.
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Their name is dumb. Their reason for joining together was dumb, but (sighs) I watched the highlights of their matches and I just go, Jesus, they're letting them do that? Yeah. The hell. Yeah. Braun, uh, best best spear in WWE right now. This is the same show where we have a horse lawyer lady, you know, having backstage skits each week. And at the same time, Braun Breaker is doing inside out leaping cutters. And I'm just going, what is the show? It's amazing is what it is. <laughs> it's and, fantastic. And then, and then he he was popping up Femi. The moment I saw that guy I went, oh, that dude's going to be a problem. I,
2: I was, was I, so surprised when they pulled that switch as quickly as they did. But it's it's one of those times where putting a rocket on someone and giving them a title has benefited the title and it's yeah. been, it feels like a big deal he feels like a threat and you have made someone within a matter of 3 weeks a, a an actual focus of your show and he feels like a star and that dude's I can't see next year rolling around and he's not on a SmackDown and, or Raw. And, you, or wrong. and you,
3: you paired him up with one of the best luchadors they have right now, yeah. who I thought was on the main roster also. I was he
2: going, is. Okay. And that's the thing. What, what's been great, and by the way, you can see a full interview with uh, Trick Williams uh, very soon on Comic Book Channel where we talk all about this. But the crossover has been so to the point where, like, you know, uh, we talked about Trick's reaction on SmackDown. Dude came out and like whooped that trick chance we're hitting from Smackdown that you know he's only been I think he guessed it once right he appeared once already and that's it like mm-hmm. it used to be where an NXT person came out and they the commentary team had to go into overdrive just to explain who it was and it was dead silence because like WWE didn't they kept everything so siloed and now it's not that way like these guys carmelo has been on Smackdown for the past month He's a he's a member of the SmackDown brand for all intents and purposes. So uh yeah, it's it's I'm excited. I agree with you. I think the unexpected the unpredictability of it is part of the is part of the allure of that match because you could really give Trick the title. I would love to see him get a title run before he leaves because that's the only problem. If you have it, if you pull the trigger on that and then he moves to the main roster, he never gets a a run at that a full title reign as NXT champion because his North American championship reign ended very quickly as well. So yeah. it's kind of like, that's a bummer, but then, you know, Hey, you get to be full time on SmackDown. That's not a bad thing. So,
3: but then it's also a question of if you bring in, if you add the title into the equation that keeps both guys on NXT for the foreseeable future. And do right. you
2: want that? Right. They're going to, or they're going to be dragging Liam and pulling double duty, which, you know, you can do for a little bit, but you can't do that full time. And, and, you know, for the women's championship, I think, I think we're going to, this could be a spot where Roxanne gets her real title run as well, because the last she's actually never lost a title. It's always been medical stuff and health related things. And then like, you know, ladder matches where she didn't lose. So she has yet to have her full title run Cause everyone remembers that trigger was pulled early because of the Mandy Rose situation. So she's never had one really dedicated one either. So she could win here. I'm a huge Lyra fan. Lyra Valkyria is the truth. And she's already if you haven't watched her match with Rhea Ripley, you should, because that's fantastic. Uh, I don't know, though, if we're like ready to move her. I think we still have some time. So I'm okay with them letting that cook for a little bit. Roxanne maybe doesn't win or maybe does win and and something like that. Lyra can always go for the tag titles. But uh, what do you have on that before we move to the next one real quick? So I was huge
3: on Roxanne when she first came in. And then I thought they had handled the Mandy Rose situation probably for the best they could have. Right. Given the circumstances and the position they kind of put themselves in. But and I thought that was fine. The way they had her lose the title and then the whole anxiety storyline, I felt like – You've derailed whatever this was supposed to be. Yeah. And ever since I've been like, I have no confidence in you to book this woman correctly. Yeah. Until you show me you can. Because you've proven to me that you can't. Yeah. That's just me.
2: I no, I agree with you. I thought um uh you know, I thought um they that really did derail her, uh, like I, the I character. Was, I, was, I was in and out at the time. Did that make yeah. sense when it Well, it, part of it was real. Okay. So part of it was actually tied to actually, and she's talked about this in subsequent interviews of like, there was actually some mental health things going on in her real life. And so sure. she was actually wanting to bring that into storyline. So it, it just, for whatever reason, didn't quite a hundred percent come together about what the story was and what was real, what was not, what was on TV. So but since then, she's, you know, kind of just been trying to find a kind of that spotlight character for herself, that that personification of what she can be to kind of move because they've kept her around the title picture, but not in it. Yeah. And so the last month, though, they've done a really good job. It's kind of like what they tried to do with Liv. With the whole extreme thing, but it's to me, they've done it a lot better with Roxanne as far as like just kind of letting her naturally get more aggressive on the mic, her actions in the ring are more aggressive. She's not a heel. She's just a more disruptive baby face in a lot of ways. And that has worked. So for the past month, she's actually been gaining momentum. So that's why here it actually feels like they could do it. It might still be too soon. Let her, let her just figure this out even more uh, before you maybe pull the trigger on that. But yeah, I think uh, we're going in the right direction. Uh, and then before we move out from wrestling completely, uh, Connor, you want to kind of give us an update on what's been going on the corporate side of, of WWE?
3: Okay, last we left off, all of the uh, the Wall Street Journal article had come out about the accusations and the lawsuit towards Vince McMahon. We were heading into Rumble weekend and then more stuff happens. Cody Rhodes gets asked about it at the post show press conference, thought he did a great job. Triple H gets asked about it. The response he gave wasn't particularly well received and I think a lot of the speculation has since been they probably should have just had someone, or maybe him, come out with a statement yeah. that was prepared as opposed to throwing him out there and being like, I didn't read the lawsuit. Not the not the best route they could have taken. Today, as uh, right before we hopped on, Wall Street Journal published another article which read more like just a recap of everything that's been happening. If you hadn't been following the whole legal situation since 2022 but it did confirm that when the federal investigation started and he was subpoenaed and they raided his house I don't know if it was his house or whatever they raided uh, it was specifically for these sexual misconduct allegations. They've talked to Janelle Grant, the employee who's filed the lawsuit. Yeah, sorry, Janelle. Um, they 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 file they they've talked to her because she filed the lawsuit. They've talked to three other women. Now there are seven accusations out there that are known. We don't know which of those three are of the seven, or if they're completely new ones that we had never heard about. This this obviously the situation is ongoing. Um, The responses I've seen on the corporate side, whether it's TKO saying, hey, we didn't exist before all these accusations came out. So you can't blame us for nothing. And Netflix coming out and being like, well, Vince is gone. So shut up and stop asking questions. That's that's a little disheartening, because I feel like people want to just look at this situation and go, it was just Vince. It wasn't systemic. He's the only problem with this. He's gone. We can all move forward. But whether you read the lawsuit or you see some of the accusations or you see what some wrestlers are saying on and off the record, it appears to be there's it was more than just him. It was a there was a systematic issue going on within that company that led to some of these situations. So I don't think it's going to be as simple as Vince is gone. We're moving forward. Our hands are clean. I think there's going to be more of this and it's going to be an ongoing situation.
2: Yeah, for sure. No. Uh, and then of course, obviously the Brock Lesnar of it all and everything, it's just, it's going to get messy before it gets better. Um, and we're going to see a lot of this. So anyway, that's your update on everything going on in wrestling. Of course, you can check out all of that upcoming news on complex.com as well. And Vegets day takes place this Sunday. So Kofi, we're
1: all done. All right. Thank you, guys. That is our wrestling segment. As we said at the start, there's been a lot that we've done for Comic Book Nation this week. We have our Supergirl casting reactions, our reaction to the finale of Percy Jackson and the Olympians on Riptide Radio with some very special guests. We also have the poll list where Matthew Aguilar, Janelle and I dived into this week's comics, which include dead X-Men. Alan Scott, Green Lantern, continuing to redefine the character and Trinity, a collected works of Wonder Woman's daughter and her coming of age story with the new super friends, the super sons, uh, Jonathan Kent, Superman and Damian Wayne, Batman. And it is a delightful character introduction. So if you haven't been reading Wonder Woman, but you want to know who this new character is, pick up Trinity as well. And we launched Quick Save, our gaming-focused segment show, which went much deeper into what is going on with Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, and what PlayStation put up for its 2024 slate at its State of Play event this week. So between all of those and this show, I think we can safely say we did it all for geek culture. There's also <laughs> a bunch of wrestling content on the YouTube page. So, I mean, we've done the thing like we, we've done the thing. So we're going to get out of here and take a break because we got to I mean, how many how long are our breaks these days? We'll be right back at it next week, covering all things geek culture all over again But if you want to subscribe, please go on to your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and subscribe to Comic Book Nation and subscribe to our YouTube page and the main comic book YouTube page as well. If you want to talk to us individually, you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. Find me at Matt Aguilar.
2: Oh, I butchered my tag. You can find me at (laughs) Matt. I can't talk. You can find me at Matt Aguilar.
3: CB on threads. Jeez, what the hell? You can find me on YouTube (laughs) at Connor J. Casey.
4: You find me at Janelle Wheeler on everything except for Twitch, where it's just Janelle.
1: Oh, was that like a new prince print? Ooh, yeah,
4: yeah. I secured the bag. Nice. <laughs> All
1: right. All right. <laughs> Throw it <laughs> in the That's bag. It. That's it for Comic Book Nation. We will see you guys out there and hopefully talk to you on the socials. Peace. Later.
2: Peace.